Hello and welcome to the Scottish Women's Football Show. Uh, I'm your host, Jess Marshall, and joining me, as always, is Mr Campbell Finlayson. How are you doing, Campbell? Yeah, very good, Chris. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I've just, uh, as I said to you before we started recording, power scrammed um, my dinner so we could get this recorded and get it out to you tomorrow. Um, well, Tuesday, tomorrow being Wednesday already. This is... This is tangent heavy, I think, this week. But there's lots to talk about. Um, last weekend, it was a Scottish Women's Cup. So we're going to go through all the fixtures there. And then this Friday, Scotland take on Cyprus in the first Euro 2021 qualifier. So we're going to be talking about that and give a wee nod to the under-19s as well. But, Campbell, it was a Scottish Women's Cup day. Um, I'll tell you what, let's let's start where you were, first of all. Um, there was eight ties, Uh Lots of games against the opposition, but you were at Ravenscraig for Motherwell. SWPL won Motherwell against Inverness Caledonian Thistle, who knocked at Hutchison Vale. Do you want to fill us in on what happened? Yeah, um, as much as the scoreline suggests it was all comfortable for Motherwell, Inverness went overly bad, to be perfectly honest. Um, you can see the golfing class, obviously the ability of the Motherwell players in the top flight compared to Inverness in SWFL1 is there and obviously they're a wee bit stronger as well but Inverness can be pretty pleased with their performance I mean Motherwell had they had a penalty early on which Chelsea McEachern missed but they then they started sort of once they got their first goal they kind of not ran away with it as such but began to show their class really um, Abby Callahan scored a cracking goal putting the 1-0 up Chelsea McEachern got two um, there was also a goal for Katie Rice in the first half and then Kenny Montgomery scored a penalty in the second half which was well taken this time compared to the first penalty, but it was miles outside the box. It was very harsh and Inverness there, but Motherwell getting the four goals in the first half sort of it, it kills the game off, so it always does when you're playing at any level, really, but obviously when you're a few divisions above, it makes a difference. But Inverness in the second half, they really kind of, they didn't want to attack them too much and give away too many goals, but they defended really well and up pretty well against them. I mean, they're doing quite well at the top of SWFL1 in the North League region with Aberdeen, but they were... They were good in that second half and they showed that they can match up and their only goal was coming from the penalty. Motherwell did hit the crossbar three times as well, but overall it was Motherwell deserved the win, but it was an enjoyable afternoon and the indoor pitch, which probably saved a lot of bother actually given the heat outside was ferocious through Motherwell, but it was an enjoyable game and it was good to see Inverness as well, a team that you're not usually seeing when we're covering the games and then the SWPL. Yeah, you're right to say that about Inverness. Um, they also had the Highlander Islands League Cup final this weekend. Uh, Lewis and Harris winning 7-0 up at Inverness. They got a crowd of over 300 were there, which is obviously great to see in terms of growing the game across the country. Um, you obviously spoke to Donald uh, after the game, Donald General, the Motherwell manager. What's, what was his take in terms of where Motherwell can go in this competition? Because obviously we were finalists last year. Um, they probably don't want to talk about the result too much, given what happened. Um, but I think he's got aspirations to, to go deep, especially with the draw opening up a little bit. He's very modest, Donald, when you speak to him. I mean, speaking to a lot of managers, they're never going to say we want this, we want that kind of thing. He was, we'll take anyone. I mean, his sort of motto was almost that he can't really influence what's going to happen. So he'll just take whoever comes to them in the draw. I mean, I think if he wanted to be really honest, he would say they want to avoid Glasgow City and Hibs and they'd be looking to get Aberdeen obviously would give a tougher tie, but them or Queen's Park down, some of the low teams that you would think they may have a chance of going on the beat. Um, it was a great achievement getting to the final last year. But the quality is sort of grown across the country this season, so it'd be tough for them to get there again. He was, but as we say, he was, he was happy with the performance. Slightly disappointed that they couldn't take more of their chances, but I don't really think that he's he's looking too far ahead in the next round. Is obviously his sort of main aim in the competition at the minute. 
Yeah, I mean, Campbell, you've mentioned Aberdeen there, so let's let's talk about Aberdeen because they're at it again. They obviously knocked out Spartans in the last round, and this round they were at home to uh, Kilmarnock up at the Balmoral Stadium, home of Cove Rangers. Um, long trek for Kilmarnock. Their squad was uh, weakened a little bit due to work commitments and suspensions, including captain Lisa Swanson. Um, and it was a 3-1 victory for Aberdeen, and by all accounts, Campbell, it sounded like it was pretty comfortable. Uh, Francesca Ogilvy-Double, uh, who has been playing for the under-19s uh, today, and a strike from Bailey Hutchison. Um, I, I've talked previously, uh, and I've, I've put it on the Leading the Line website recently as well, how impressed I've been with the how Aberdeen's progression is coming along. Um, you said you were speaking to Mark, who was obviously up there covering the game. Um, what's your take on that result, first of all, and what, what was kind of shared? I think when you look at it, given the previous round where Aberdeen obviously went to Spartans and came from behind to win that game, deservedly from what we were told as well that day, and you see how Kilmarnock really struggled against these five as well. They were lucky to knock them out. You also can see Kilmarnock in the league in that they start the season really well, but some poor performances have dropped them down and they sort of lose games that they really shouldn't. So I wasn't overly surprised that Aberdeen beat them. I mean, of course, it's still different, uh, difficult sorry, for teams like that when you're a few divisions above, but... Um, yeah, Aberdeen will be very happy with that, obviously. I think DeMarkey says you can see the clear sort of the difference in the physical level between Aberdeen and Coman, but Aberdeen coped pretty well with it. I mean, they're obviously at the top of SWFL 1 North ahead of Inverness, but um, uh, they, they coped up, they stepped up well, sorry, to cope with the physicality and they more than matched Coman clearly for ability. As you say, obviously, they had a few players missing, um, a couple of the players on the bench coming up from the 23s, but uh, Aberdeen will be very pleased with how they played, and as Matt was saying, They'll, look to, they'll be happy to take anyone on in the next round. Yeah, and I think they'll also be happy to take on anyone up at up in Aberdeen because we talked about it a little bit with the Kamarnik trip, but there's definitely a feel, and whether that's a justified feeling or not, but there's definitely a feeling of if you go up to Aberdeen, almost automatically the game's going to be harder because of, because of the journey. Um, so it's an excellent result for them. Uh, as I said, I think um, their National Performance League side are top of the league at the moment and at the under-19 level, and they won the, the Performance League Cup uh, just before the summer. So they're definitely a side with some upward momentum. Looking at uh, the other ties, um, well, 4 for Farmington now, Rangers 4. Uh, pretty comfortable for, for Rangers. Campbell, Holly Napier opened the score, and it was an own goal. Hannah Robertson with another goal. She's been in really good form since she's come into the team. And another one of the youth prospects, Rosie Campbell, for kind of rounding out the scoring. I, I, I suspected that this might have been a little bit closer, Campbell, but you've got to give credit to Rangers. You mentioned previously in the Glasgow Girls, uh, the first time around you thought that maybe they underestimated Glasgow Girls a little bit, and then obviously in take two, they, they kind of put them to the sword. But you've got to give credit to Gregory Vignal. He's obviously taken Rangers up to Station Park, far from not having the, the best of seasons in the league. And done a, a proper, thoroughly professional job. Yeah, I mean, I go back to that as you're talking about with the sort of under, underestimated Glasgow Girls. I think Gregory Vigna was really taking that on board because in, when I went to that first game that was abandoned, having a look at the Rangers team before it, there was a few sort of surprising um, inclusions and players that had been dropped from it. And then going back into the second game, you saw straight away it was a stronger team and clearly won comfortably. And I think it was again a case of. He knew for that being in SWPL1, they weren't exactly going to be pushovers. As you say, obviously, it's, it's not the easiest play. They're not in best of form, sorry. But Rangers went up there and were just getting the early goal again helps them. And they were very professional about it, as you're saying. And I think he's just sort of realised that you need to play a strong team in the cup. You can't underestimate anybody. And Rangers will be interested to see how they get on against some of the other teams. But it's when they come up against the likes of Celtic, Hibs and Glasgow City that they're not really performing to that level. So if they can remain as professional as they have done in some of these games, Interesting to see how they get on in the league games against these sides, and if they can get them in a cup, can Rangers even go on and reach the final? 
Yeah, I think we'll do a bit of a fantasy booking of the draw um, once we've got covered the fixtures, just because it'll be fun to see what we see if it comes out or not. Um, I, I went to the Orion on the Orion. That's definitely not right. I went to Orion uh, on uh, Sunday for the Edinburgh Derby between Hearts and Hibernian. A uh, good crowd there. I, I would say it was an easy 300 uh, there. All stands are filled. Um, as you suggested at Motherwell, it was also absolutely baking in Edinburgh, and I abused my ability to stand over the other side of the pitch in the shade. Um, which was lovely. It made the game infinitely more uh, entertaining. Uh, Hearts started really well. Um, Andy Edwards set up his side um, of Stick and Tain Hibs. I have, by fluke, seen Hibernian three times uh, in the last week. Uh, I was down in Pennycook for their, their previous round game where they, they really dominated Southern University kind of from start to finish, uh, winning 5-0. Uh, but Hearts actually took the lead. Um, a break on the right-hand side from Louise Mason, who was signed from Spartans, and her ball went to Danny McGinley, who had also been one of her summer signs this time for Farmington. Ball was a little bit behind her. I heard Louise Mason saying this on the on the touchline um, after she'd come off. Uh, but Danny McGinley did well and put the ball past Jenna Fife. And 12 minutes in, Hearts were 1-0 up, and they were holding their own. In fact, the first half hour, it was very much a case of Hibernian had a lot of the ball, but they weren't maybe penetrating as much as they would. There was kind of... They were kind of reserved to long shots, which Emily Much um, was very capable of handling. But the goal eventually came. The, the pressure really started building maybe half an hour, 35 minutes in. And uh, just after that time, a corner from the right-hand side from uh, Rachel Boyle. The uh, ball came into the box and Siobhan Hunter, who scored a header on Wednesday night, scored another header today. And that wouldn't be our first of the day um, to kind of get the equaliser. You could really sense just from the touchline that it would have been really key for Hearts to get in at half-time level. But Colette Kavanagh, who's been on a really great run of form and she is going through a bit of a worldy spell at the moment in terms of the goal she's scoring, scored a 25-yarder, one of these beautifully aesthetic shots, Campbell, that hit off the bottom, the top of the the underside of the crossbar and bounced into the net to put Hibs 2-1 up at half-time. And then Hibs have done what they've done the last two games. Uh, they, they get Southern University, did the same against Hearts. In that 15-minute period after half-time, they, they just blitzed hearts. Um, Siobhan Hunter scored a second from the edge of the area volley, where she probably shouldn't have been anywhere near the penalty area, before she then scored the penalty, um, and that really put the game out of sight. Uh, Rachel Boyle scored a, a fifth, and then Shannon Leishman came on to score a late double. So it finished 7-1. I think if you were going to watch that game in the first half hour and you said you were going to finish 7-1, you would have been a little bit surprised. But to be honest with you, by the end, Hibernian's class and movement really really showed um we kind of speculate about this game what level these this, these two teams are it's probably a good marker camp because obviously hearts are, are challenging for the swpl to title they're probably one of the the main contenders but it just goes to show hibernian are despite the, the results against glasgow city and a couple of the drop-offs that season are really coming into form at the right time of the season especially when it comes to their their trophy let's be honest it's their trophy the scottish cup yeah i mean could be part of almost Hibs that they know that they're out of the league uh, race at the minute. Siobhan Hunter pretty much said as much at full time in the interview with yourself. So the cup has to be one of their main focuses and obviously they don't want to lose it having held on it for the last few years. So the fact that you said as well there, obviously the fact that they're getting in that challenge when they're a goal down, realise we need to step this up. Clearly they did. I just saw it as you, it was almost like a barrage of goals at the start of the second half and it makes a big difference to them. But I was really a bit surprised when I saw that scoreline actually come full time you know, Sabine at Ravens Craig got the notifications of things coming through that Hearts had taken the lead and you thought maybe they'll go on and sort of give them a right good game again like they had done in the League Cup uh, back at the start of the season. So it was slightly disappointing for them. And I think Andy Enwood also said pretty much that at full time that 7-1, not harsh on them, but 
it's not the sort of thing you would expect it, obviously, once they've taken the lead, but Hibs taking back like the way they did and really dominate the second half, as you're saying there, it, was, it shows their class, obviously, and they'll be hoping to go on and obviously win the cup yet again. Yeah, I think the big thing for Hibs now is when they come to play Glasgow City or Celtic. Um, as I said, I've seen them three times in the last week, uh, twice against Dillon University and, and against Hearts on Sunday. And in the first half, they've maintained possession, created a couple of chances, um, not really conceded many chances at the other end, so it meant that they've had the ball quite easily. They've got in ahead at half time, so they were in 1 0 up against Dillon Uni and 2 0 up in the Cup, and then obviously 2 1 against Hearts. And then in the second half, they've had that that extra level to go up. And I, there was a lot of chat among some of the players at full time about that level of fitness. And when I was speaking to Jenny Smith, the, the Hearts midfielder at full time, that was one of her big learnings. She's obviously one of the, the kind of up and coming players uh, just now for Scotland. And um, that was one of the things she said she took away from it was just that level of fitness. And they, they put the work in at Hibs. Um, probably one of the downsides to it, and we'll touch on it just now, Campbell, is uh, the injury to Amy Muir. She came off after 15 minutes. It looked a pretty... It wasn't a great challenge from, from the angle I had it as. I don't think Grant Scott was particularly happy with it at full time, but it is kind of the nature of, nature of football. She had to go off injured. Um, that would have wider implications for her, but she's had a really positive impact on the Hibernian team since she's come in, Campbell, and... I think that that loss, and it's not been confirmed exactly how long she's out for, she is out. Um, I think that loss could be one that's that's key for her. Um, let's let's change change tact again because obviously I know you weren't at that one, Campbell. And let's let's talk to one that that we've been able to both see the highlights of, and that was the the Hamilton Clyde game. Um, in fact, let's let's skip Hamilton Clyde. Let's go to Queens Park Dunfermline Athletic. Changing it up, I'm going to do that. Queens Park Dunfermline Athletic because this was the battle of the SWFL sides, Campbell and Lesnar Hamden. And from the highlights, it looked like it was a pretty good game. Yeah, I had a look myself yesterday in Dunfermline. started pretty well, actually. Obviously, it was 0-0 at half-time, so to get the six goals by the end of it was something you weren't really expecting. But um, I think once Queen's Park got the first goal, they sort of not, not, didn't quite take control, but they were the better team that we part, and um, it made them sort of getting also the lead if they went on to take the game. Dunfermline's two goals were maybe slightly lucky in the way that they felt the strikers put the ball in the net, but it looked a very competitive game and it's good to see two sides that, again, they're not in the SWPL, so they're not really in the focus of many people in the country who watch women's football. So to see them putting on another great performance, both sides, and a real spectacle was always good to see. You know, it'll be good to see how Queen's Park got on in the next round and see if they can maybe avoid one of the big sides and perhaps get through into the next round again. Yeah, I would definitely recommend looking out the highlights on the Scottish Women's Football um, channel uh, on YouTube. Uh, particularly the first half, the Farman Keeper had an excellent game. Uh, Ashley McEwen double a Francis Fern penalty and Sarah Wardler goal for Queen's Park uh, and a Katie Bennett double for Dunfermline you mentioned uh, Dunfermline's first goal not the the greatest piece of defending and goalkeeping you'll ever see in your life Um, but yeah I thought from the highlights it certainly looked like a really entertaining game and that's what you want when you get to this stage of the tournament and we'll probably come on to this uh, very shortly Um, but great result for Queen's Park that puts him into the last eight uh, obviously, along with Aberdeen, means there's two SWFL sides in that, that stage of the tournament, which is fantastic to see. Uh, Celtic uh, defeat St Johnson 2 0. It's funny, Campbell, uh, it's the Chloe Craig double that gave Celtic the win at K Park, but we've talked a lot about St Johnson, how they can't get a result. And it's interesting, they make that step up and um, they then get the same kind of result they get in SWPL2. Part of me was expecting them to maybe get turned over a little bit on Sunday, so there must be positives for that, for that, that Jason McGrindle can take out of that performance. Yeah, they'll be, I mean, they'll be delighted, obviously not to go out, they're not happy with that, but they'll be delighted the fact that, again, they've shown that they can 
they can defend pretty well against them, even though the bigger size, not just NSWPL2. They're, um, they're very solid, St. Johnson. They're a well-organised side, but their problem has always been scoring goals at the other end. They've not really taken a real tanking in any of the league games and defended pretty well against Celtic. They ended up being a header from a corner, uh, from a free kick, sorry, one of the goals. So from a normal play, sorry, they haven't really conceded too many goals. So they'll be delighted with that. And Jason can obviously work on that for him back in the league where, again, as we're saying, it's that inability to put the ball in the net and get enough points to get them up the table was seen that they're not really going to be challenging at the top. But they'll go into any game now, every game, sorry, with no pressure and just look to consolidate the place in SWPL2 for next season and then try and build on that for going forward in the next, uh, the next campaign. Yeah, I mean, for Celtic, I suppose it's a job of uh, a case of job done. Um, a two win. I'm sure Eddie Vallecki Black would have wanted a lot more out of it. But given that they don't have the the women's Champions League commitments that the Glasgow City and Hibernian have, um, and the fact that the second place in the SWPL is not entirely sure whether that's going to be good enough for Europe, this is really where Celtic. I'd imagine Celtic will be focusing their season. And what's your take? If Celtic were to do the job and get and win the Scottish Cup, I mean that that could only be a good thing if a, a team other than Glasgow City or Hibs win one of the win one of the major trophies, assuming that. Celtic are the best place of the, the other teams in the in the competition. Yeah, I mean it's obviously great from a neutral point of view to see other sides up there because it's, you're not really wanting to see too many teams dominating the game. It is always good when there's a sort of underdog story, if you will. I mean, not necessarily to underdogs, but they'll be happy as you're saying. They're going about their business pretty quietly. They've not been really setting the world alight in a lot of the league games, but they're picking up wins and games that you wouldn't really expect. They've run Glasgow City close three times as well. So with Celtic, they'll be pleased with how their season's going. And if they can get a favourable draw and avoid one of the big two in the quarterfinals that they haven't done in previous years, then there is no real reason to say why they cannot go on and reach the final. And then on their day, I mean, we've seen Glasgow City have went into every final as favourites against Hibs. But Hibs have beaten them on their day, so there's, there's no reason to say why Celtic can't go on and lift the cup this season. Yeah, it'll, it'll be definitely interesting come draw time. Right, Campbell, let's let's rip the band-aid. Let's get to these last two results. Uh, Glasgow City 20, Dundee City 0. Um, I, I just watched the highlights just before recording. I, I said it the last time, and I, I'm going to say it again. It wasn't a good watch. Um, I, I know that there's a, an argument that Dundee City get that experience of playing against international players for Scotland, but I also understand that just now that the format that we're in is probably as good as it's going to get until standards raise at that level. I know some some changes are getting looked at about changing the, the, the qualifying criteria, making it less mandatory and making it more, if you want to progress, you can, you can get in that tournament. But um, Glasgow City beating Dundee City uh, 20 now. Haley Sinclair scored four. Jordan McClintock scored some. I, I lost track, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. And I thought, I, I can understand it in terms of the, the coverage. It was just kind of like, this result's only going to go one way. And it kind of went that way after about 65 seconds um, that it was mentioned on the on the commentary when Glasgow City do excellent highlights by the way so if you ever want to watch a Glasgow City game you can always see the highlights after the after the game a couple of days later and Hamilton beating Clyde 12-0 Chloe you're scoring five at Bothwell Hall or Alliance Park depending on what your, your leans are and doubles for MT Garden and Kirsty McIntosh with a couple of other goals in there as well it's, it's not great Campbell I, I don't want to labour the point because we talked about it quite a lot last week but um Hopefully, what with the, the potential changes in terms of the entry criteria, this will this will be a less of a occurrence. And with the emergence of teams like Aberdeen coming into the tournament, these results become a little less frequent. Um, 
I, I just don't. I, I, I know we've had a week to dwell on it, and I think in the come to around the opinion that the, the format of the cup is probably as good as it's going to be just now. Is there anything you you've thought of in the in the week since that that you would think maybe could potentially change things up a little bit? I don't think you really change the format too much. I mean, these clubs are obviously the lower league sides are playing each other early on, and it's the best of the lower leagues that are getting through to these sort of rounds. So I mean, they've earned it, but at the same time, as you're saying, no one likes to go in and lose a game. 20 nil. I mean, Dundee City was playing the best, the best club in Scotland. It was always going to be tough. Uh, watching the Clyde highlights, I thought they were actually they tried to play some good football at times. Clyde, when they got the ball and were going forward, they looked not bad, but. Hamilton, again, just have that extra bit of class. When I mean, you're playing in about 25 degree heat, it doesn't help them. There's a couple of water breaks in that game. But Clyde try to play football, and you can see these sides, obviously, they know they can do it in the league, and they know that they're slightly better than teams, but they're trying to play the game, and sometimes trying to play football against the bigger sides doesn't work. But, I mean, it's always it's hard when you look at it, and you see those sides winning a combined score of 32-0. It can be a bit, a bit disappointing from a neutral point of view, but looking at some of the other ties, they were a bit closer than they might well have been. So and there are positives, but as you're saying, there can be some negatives as well. And it just it just depends at the minute. These sides, there's always going to be at least one that's going to get through and play some of the bigger teams. So, I mean, there's not really much you can do, I suppose. I mean, fair play to, to, to Glasgow City. I thought actually that their coverage of the game was very sympathetic to the, the situation. I didn't think they, they overdid it in any way, shape or form. And you can even see that in, in their Twitter feed. They didn't... Go go by. They're quite keen on obviously covering as much of it as possible, which makes perfect sense because you want to you want to grow the club as much as you can. But I thought they were quite sympathetic to it. And I thought Hamilton, who also do excellent coverage, they've got a team of a team of guys there who are basically turning the Hamilton women's uh, Twitter feed into like sports scene, um, which is which is a, a nice thing to see. Um, whether you like sports scene or not, it's good to see that kind of level of dedication to it. So yeah, yeah big wins for Hamilton and Glasgow City. Hamilton are the only SWPL two side in the tournament. Uh, remain in the tournament as we get to the quarterfinal stages. Um, the quarterfinal uh, draw is getting made on Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Um, so we are recording on Tuesday night, for point of context. Um, in terms of the teams that are there, we've got Hibernian, Aberdeen, Motherwell, Hamilton, Rangers, Glasgow City, Queen's Park and Celtic. Campbell, if you were to throw the names up in the air and pick one dream dream quarterfinal fixture out, like, let's try and avoid seeing Glasgow City against Celtic, Glasgow City Hibs. Something something a bit different, something nice and cup feeling. Um, what, what fixture would you like to see get drawn out of the hat? Um, I'd like to see Aberdeen against perhaps one of the SWP or one sides that are down slightly further out, maybe Rangers or Aberdeen. Um, I know the tie you're going to pick, so I'll avoid that at the minute and let you have your moment of glory there. But I'd like them, Aberdeen have done pretty well um, in the previous round. So I'd like to see how they've got on against another side of the sort of same level as Spartans have been at. Um, seen Motherwell on Sunday there. They've got a few players as well with under-19s and things like that. And they played really well. So it'll be good to see how those two can go up against each other because we know Motherwell, obviously, as much as they played well there, they have in some games in the league struggled there. Maybe they shouldn't have against the likes of Fordfish. So I'd like to see a game possibly like that, even for Queen's Park. If they could get the likes of Motherwell or Hamilton, they could be another game where they could go on and see if they can maybe put a shocker through as well. Yeah, I mean, the romantic in me kind of wants to see maybe like an Aberdeen-Queen's Park and then you have an SWFL side in the semi-finals, but also I'm understanding the need to grow the game. For me, I would quite like to see a Motherwell-Hamilton game. Uh, they've just had a Lanarkshire derby in the men's game. They had some good Twitter beef. Social media beef's always entertaining. Um, and I, I think that the... Certainly the Hamilton side of it would be up for it. Motherwell obviously have this hybrid model where they have the women's team underneath the men's team, but you think that would be a really good launching point for the game. 
it's an SWPL1 against SWPL2 clash. A team going really well in SWPL2 against one of these kind of middling SWPL1 sides at the moment. So I think that'd be a really good one to see. But um, we'll find out by the time you listen to this, the draw will have already been made. So maybe one of these fixtures that we've suggested have come out, maybe it hasn't. But the reason why we're saying by the time you listen to the draw will be made is uh, we now know where the final of the competition will be, and it's going to be held at Tynecastle on the 24th of November. Um, entry will be £7 and £3. Uh, the SW, uh, sorry, not the SWPL Cup, that was earlier in the season. The Scottish Cup final, Campbell, uh, drew just short of 2000 at Far Hill last season. Um, what's your take on using the Tynecastle as a venue uh, and, and your thoughts about maybe beating that, that near 2000 total come November time? Yeah, I think Tynecastle is a great venue for it. I mean, I love going there. It's one of Seems to be renowned by most fans as uh, away fans. It's probably the best away trip in Scotland. Um, obviously, we've got the new big stand in there as well. I was there, actually, for Hearts against Dundee United in the SWPL2 a while back. And again, there's a great crowd in for that game. So I think, yes, obviously, making the, getting the great weather makes a big difference. We a good crowd in at Funhill last year for Hibs Motherwell. But if you're getting some of the bigger sides, I mean, if you've got maybe a Hibs against Glasgow City, for example, you could be getting in a great crowd. And I, I think beating the 2000 is very possible, especially with the way yeah, the women's game has grown since the World Cup. Hibs, if they can get there, of course, it's in Edinburgh as well, so you can maybe draw more fans to it. But I think Tynecastle is a great venue for it, nice big pitch, good stadium for watching a game in. So I think it, we cannot think of many, too many places better to pick for the, yeah, the Scottish Women's Cup final. Yeah, sorry, right. The SWPL Cup, Scottish Women's Cup, is still going to be a, a thing we'll probably stumble over until the final happens, I've got no doubt. Uh, but, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think Tynecastle's a good venue. I think one of the good things about it, maybe unfortunate given the fact that Hearts are now out, it would be nice to have Hearts, obviously, uh, in the draw when the, the, when the announcement was made earlier on this afternoon. But um, I, th- I think that Tynecastle's a good venue for it. It's a good viewing experience at Tynecastle. I think that's very important. Um, I think sometimes... The criteria overrides the, the the viewing experience. I'm I don't know what your take was in Ravens Craig, but yeah, they, they have 300 seats and it's covered, but it's not it's not the the nicest of uh, viewing seats. And I usually have to go and do some like yoga or Pilates or I don't do any of those things. That's a lie. I just usually go and have a stretch after because um, the seats aren't particularly comfortable. And um, obviously Hearts are very much moving forward with their, their women's football. They're very progressive. They've got Kevin Murphy back up, obviously overseeing the their academy sides and they're going to be integrating the men's and women's sides in November. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really hopeful for it and I think a 2,000 target is certainly something that's, that's very achievable. We're just shy of 1,000 for the SWPL Cup and that was on a on a, a pretty grim, if you remember rightly, Campbell Friday night um, and that was an Airdrie which is kind of there's pros and cons. It's kind of middle of nowhere. Let's let's be honest. If you don't drive, it's a bit it's a bit of a trek. Whereas with Edinburgh, it's in Tynecastle. It's very city centre centric. It'll be a Sunday, so there's a good chance of getting a good crowd. Hopefully, nothing clashes. We'll come to that when we start talking about Scotland. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, I'm hopeful for it. So uh, get get on the Scottish Women Football uh, uh, website and they will to order tickets for that. And hopefully, it'll be a really good occasion. But let's, oh, before we go into Scotland, actually, Campbell, one other thing, and um, one of our listeners will do us in if we don't mention it. Dundee United played Glasgow Girls in SWPL2 uh, on Sunday, the only league game. Uh, one each, a result that doesn't really help either of them, Campbell? No, I think for both teams to be really having any chance of challenging up there, they had to win. Again, the Heat really played a big a big part in it. Um, Ian Ferry, the Glasgow Girls manager, was saying that a draw was um, possibly a fair result, whereas the man you're alluding to, Graham Hart, um, the United assistant, had a totally different view, thinking that United probably should have won the game. I mean, uh, it was Chloe Doherty put Glasgow Girls ahead before time, 
Tammy Harkin, I think, sorry, was it, got the equaliser. Um, apparently United missed a few chances, missed one-on-ones and uh, back post from a corner, I'm being told, but yeah, it's, it's not really a result, as you say, that suits either side, so it's now just a case, again, of consolidating a bit like St Johnston. Um, that was always United's aim, having come up class, as in from SWPL, SWFL sorry, last year. Uh, Glasgow girls would be, they'll be looking to get back to Bud Hill again next season and get back there to their own home and then they can sort of push on. I think both sides, as much as they'll be slightly disappointed that they can't push, I think both will know that they're possibly not ready for promotion yet. So as much as it wasn't the greatest result for either side, there are also, there is always, there's always positives to take from it as well. Yeah, our, our buddy uh, Stuart was up covering that. Uh, Stuart Mitchell, he was up at Dundee United. I hope he had his uh, Factor 50 on Campbell because I know that if it wasn't for the shade, I would have been a, a slightly different colour when I woke up on Monday morning. Um, so hopefully he, he took heed of that as well because I know it's not well covered up at, at, at the disc. But yeah, let's let's move on from domestic action and turn our focus to the national side. Um, before we talk about the, the game on Friday night, the under-19s were playing on the day of record, uh, Tuesday afternoon. They got a good result, Campbell, 2-0 over, over in Northern Ireland for a couple of friendlies. A 2-0 win. Um, Francesco Ovegui, uh, one of two Dundee, uh, Dundee, one of two Aberdeen players called up, along with Ailey Shore, scoring the opener, and then Kirsty McIntosh of Hamilton scoring the second. Um, obviously, the under-19s uh, hosted the European Championships in the summer. Uh, they've lost Amy Muir and Jamie Lee Napier. They've had to step up, and they've stepped up probably a lot quicker than we expected, um, which we'll come on to. Uh, but it's a good result to see, and you can put, sometimes place too much weight in youth results, but in women's football, because of that that jump that you have at the moment, seeing that kind of progression is always good. Yeah, even some of the players coming in to the squad as well that haven't been there before, obviously the two players from Aberdeen, the elderly and show that you mentioned, Aisha Mon at Hearts as well as another one that hasn't really been there too often. So it's good to see that as much as players like Napier and Muir, who are obviously a big loss for the under-19s, but it's good to see there's other players that can come up and take their place. And it's a great win over Northern Ireland. Obviously, still play them again. And hopefully everyone in the squad will get a bit of game time. Um, I was discussing with Ben Kearney as well at Ravens Craig there on Sunday. The only problem, where, as you're talking about, the sort of development here is once these players leave the 19s, are they then going? As there should be another, should there sort of be another level between the first team? Because I mean, Jamie Lee Napier and Amy Muir obviously both get called up, but is that only due to the injuries, or should there be another level for these sort of players to go up, keep progressing, and then that way there's more of a pathway for them into the first team, and could that help Scotland for qualification to major tournaments in the future? Well, yeah, because you've got this under twenty level, so you have the under twenty World Cup, and that's kind of obviously the next the next team. And Scotland don't have a a horse in that race, for want of a better term. Um, when they were when they were talking um, previewing the Glasgow City Hibs game when the season returned, I think it was Grant Scott. If it's not Grant, it would have been Scott Booth. Um, mentioned the fact that there's a need to look at the pathway, and pathways is a big buzzword in, in football in general at the moment. And I think that's maybe something that that with this funding cloud that's hanging over everything that's Scottish fo- uh, women's football at the moment, um, it's certainly something that maybe needs to be looked at. But You've mentioned it already, Campbell, so let's talk about it. Um, Friday night, Scotland are playing Cyprus in their first Euro 2021 qualifier. We're going to do a, a bit of a, a deep dive into the kind of the group and have a wee chat about the squad in, in general. But let's talk about the SWPL, because that's what we cover in the main at the moment. And uh, Jamie Lee Napier and Amy Muir were both called up to the squad. Um, the, the announcement time was weird. Uh, so we were, I was obviously at Orion uh, on Sunday, and as the game was progressing, a tweet went out from the Scotland national team to say they'd been called up. Um, obviously, it turned out after speaking to Jamie after the game that she knew in advance, um, but it just kind of showed the disconnect from between what's happening in the SFA and what's happening domestically because 
really sadactic to be going out during a game where both players are playing in, especially a game where unfortunately Amy Muir got injured and has had to pull out the squad. But that's net, well, it's, well, including Amy, it would have been nine, but it's eight representatives from the SWPL in the squad um, five from Glasgow City, three from Hibs. Um, I mean, that's good to see, but it's, it's obviously disappointing for Amy, but it's great to see this this progression we've just been talking about happening. I don't know if they'll get if they, Jamie will get game time, but it can only be a good experience for her getting that call up. Yeah, she'll be delighted. I mean, it's, it's well deserved as well. I haven't watched him as often as we both have this scene. She's always a player that stands out for them. So, and as well for the under 19. So it's good to see that as much as there is no pathway that we're really talking about there, that Shirley Kerr still realises that she is a good enough player to be called up to the squad. As you're saying, perhaps not going to get much game time. She's not at the level that Erin Cuthbert would have been. But it's, it's great to see for them. And Amy Muir as well would obviously be delighted to get fit. And then that obviously turned to despair with the injury on Sunday. But it's good to see, as you're saying, that these SWPL players can um, make it into the squad. And that it shows at the level and the, the women's game here is improving slowly. But it is improving. So it's, it's good to see all around. Yeah, as you mentioned, um, they both called up, called up after Erin Cuthbert and Fiona Brown that had to pull it via injury. Fiona Brown's a, a particularly bad one by the looks of things. I, I saw there was a tweet what, from a, a Swedish football account suggesting that it's, uh, it's one that could keep her anywhere between six weeks and six months out. So hopefully it's on the, the shorter end of the timescale as opposed to the longer. Um, be, before we talk about the game in general, though, that obviously, Campbell, I think it'd be remiss of us not to talk about it. It was obviously some of the stuff that came out last week in terms of... Um, the reaction after the Argentina game in, in the Scotland camp, um, there was a bit of news about it. And it was mentioned today in the, in the news press conference with Rachel Corsi, the Scotland captain, who, by the way, has an excellent podcast. If you listen to this um, and you listen to us talk about women's football, listen to Rachel Corsi, the Scotland captain, talk about women's football. It's about her experiences in Utah. And just listen to it. It's really good listening. She drops the occasional nugget of like gold that's really worth hanging your hat on. But she was talking in the press conference today about how they had a big a clear air meeting. Ian Maxwell, the Ian Maxwell was president, uh, president was present um, at the at the meeting. And as far as as far as the other concerned, it's under the water under the bridge. It's not really the greatest thing to come off the back of a World Cup campaign with so much positivity to have this. And this must have been hanging over, obviously, the people that knew about it for a while. It's not the greatest way to to lead into a new qualifying campaign with, with so much goodwill and positivity coming out of the World Cup. No, I mean, obviously that wasn't the greatest way to go to the World Cup. Neither was the VAR decision that we're all still having nightmares about. But it's it's good to see that they're sort of beginning to put it behind them now. And they can just focus on the Cyprus game. I mean, it's a game that they're favourites to win. Largest City have obviously beaten the separate champions last season as well when they were out there. So Scotland should go in to win that game. But the fact that now they can all focus on the football and not the off-field matters should really be crucial for them, not just for this game, but for the whole uh, qualifying campaign. Yeah, now, this podcast didn't exist when the qualifying draw was made, Campbell. So, uh, I spoke to you earlier on today and I said, well, let's have a, actually look at, have a look at the group as a whole because it's an in, it, it, and I use interesting far too much in these, I'm aware of that. So, bear with me while I find other words in my vocabulary, which is usually pretty good. But it is an interesting group because it's not, there's nothing that's necessarily given me at the top end of it. So, we'll go through each side, side by side, Campbell, and I know you've had a wee look, but I also know that I've done a wee bit more. Um, Finland are, are the, so Scotland's the top seeds which is is a dream especially if you follow the men's side that, that feels like eons ago that would even be a vague possibility uh, Scotland top seeds uh, 
Second season of Finland. Um, now, interestingly, they are managed by Anna Signell, who was the former Scotland manager. She took Scotland to the Euros in 2017. Um, she's also very much credited with sparking this this progression for Scottish Scottish women's football and the, and the national team in particular. Um, they, they didn't qualify for the World Cup. They finished behind Spain and Austria in their qualifying group. Um, and they actually haven't qualified for the Euro since 2013, but they are previous semi-finalists. It's, in terms of a pot two team, Campbell, it's it's not one you probably would have picked, I don't think. I mean, there's no one really that you really do want to put to. They're obviously all good sides. It could have been a lot worse, but Finland, as you're saying, it will be an easy tie for them. But Scotland being the top seed and the way they've performed in some of the World Cup games, they shouldn't really be too afraid of anyone. Um, I think even with Finland being a sort of tough task for them, Scotland should still become a favourite. Confident, sorry of topping the group and making it through to the Euros in two years. Yeah, I mean, the last time Scotland played Finland was back in 2014, so it was a good while ago and it was in a friendly, so you can always never hold too much when it comes to friendlies. I'm, I'm a big believer in that, uh, even when we're getting hammered, uh, as, as men's time often do in friendlies these days. Um, and they lost 3-1 in, in Finland. I think maybe the most dangerous team, though, is Portugal. Um, they're actually ranked higher than Finland at the moment. They beat Scotland at the last Euros in 2017. Uh, they they beat Scotland 2-1. Uh, they haven't. That was the first time they'd actually qualified for Euros, and they didn't make it out of the World Cup either. They finished behind Italy, who also did very well at the World Cup in Belgium, who are on the on the up and up at the moment. But Portugal are a team that Scotland's obviously faced in fairly recent history. Um, and I think probably I know you said Finland aren't a team you wanted in Port Two. I would say Portugal definitely were not a team you were looking for to get in Port Three because they could easily have been that that level up. Yeah, I mean it was it wasn't a great draw at all for them as you're saying. Played each other in Euro 2017 in Holland. Uh, Portugal obviously won that one, but again as I'm saying there before they have come on since that uh, since then. And the level, as we're saying, is progressing all the time. So as much as, yeah, again, it is a real tough task for them and they could have had an easier draw, obviously. But again, they'll look at that game and think, right, there's no real reason why we can't go in and win it. If Scotland play their own game, they should beat everyone in the group. But it really, it could have been a heck of a lot easier for them. Yeah, I mean, Portugal have got players like Jessica Silva, who's moved from Levante to Lyon, who are the Galacticals of women's football. And Captain Claudio Nieto has been a success in Germany for a wee while now. I think they they maybe have more individual spark. What I'm hoping for, Campbell, I don't know about you, is I hope Scotland play Portugal somewhere that's nice and accessible via plane and it's during the nice weather season because that's awfully tempting, I have to say. <laughs> um, looking down the group, um, Albania next, very familiar. Um, we've also played them in the World Cup qualifying for France. They were they were the hosts as we won that 2-1 game in Skoda and that sealed World Cup qualification. We know what we're going to get with Albania. We beat them 5-0 at home. Um, a bit more familiarity if they are a little bit further along, but we should really really be thinking six points as, as a minimum out of these two games, even though the argument could be made that obviously the trip to Albania last time it was a very tough one. It was made pretty tough as well by the pitch. In there, it wasn't in great condition at all, and Scotland scored early in that game. Remember watching it on BBC Alaba by Kim Little scored early on. Albania did get a goal back, but it was totally all Scotland pressure, obviously winning 5-0 through in Paisley as well. Yes, but it should be six points there against two bottom seeds in Scotland. Don't really, if they can't win those games, then they don't deserve to be going throughout the World Cup. So you'll look at it as six points, and it's sort of two games where you'd expect them to pick up six points as well. Yeah, and that brings us on to Friday night's opponent, Cyprus, who 
are competing in the qualifying campaign, Campbell, for their very first time. So uh, I've been trying to do some research for an article for the website, which is getting there. Uh, but Cyprus have never ever entered the qualifying campaign. Um, finding information about the Cyprus national team, and I made this joke on Twitter, but I'm going to make it again, is almost as difficult as it is finding information about FC Nike Tbilisi when Hibs played them in the Champions League. But there is a little bit more information. They are uh, managed by Angela Sol- Solakis, who's a former Cypriot international. Has a little bit of experience in the Cypriot game. Um, he was manager of Apollon Lanasol a few years ago. But Scotland obviously never played them before. They hosted something called the Aphrodite Cup in March, which I think is like a a tournament beneath the, Cy- beneath the Cyprus Cup, which has a team such as Scotland competing in it. Uh, they, they lost to Malta and defeated Lithuania and Estonia. Um, not necessarily the biggest lights in women's football. Um, I mean, for, let, let, let's say, go to Friday night. Anything other than a convincing win on Friday night, Campbell, is, is pretty poor. And I've, let's be honest, I think it's maybe something that the squad and people invested in women's football and, and rooting for it, maybe need is a really convincing win on, on Friday, which, to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure we're going to get. In three points is obviously all you're really aiming for, but similar to the way we were discussing Celtic against St. Johnston in the Cup and only winning by two goals, Scotland could only defeat the Cyprus two, maybe slightly disappointed with that, but as long as they get the campaign off to a winning start, obviously it's good, but again, you're really wanting to be going and winning these games we looked at the men's side when they played Kazakhstan and we all think we'll get a good start and suddenly clean up and defeat there. It kills it. Hopefully, I don't see the women facing that sort of problem against Cyprus, but we'll just need to be professional about it and hopefully go in and win pretty comfortably on Friday night through Edinburgh. Yeah, I mean, to, to give you that an idea, there isn't any, the separates, to give you an idea of where the separate women's national team are at the moment, the separate national FA website, so women's section hasn't been updated for four years. Um, their Wikipedia page, I think, has only just been created because there's no squad in it and they've only just, in the last two days, added a group in for it. Um, you mentioned, obviously, Glasgow City played uh, Barcelona at Football Academy, who I think have now gone out of existence by the looks of things because they're not in the, this season's uh, separate first division. Uh, but that squad that, that Glasgow City played is full of uh, internationals from other countries like um, Freda, the, the American striker, scored so many goals. So they are very much uh, new, to the, new to the cause and they're one of these nations that are still obviously very prevalent in, in women's football. So I, I think a, a win is, is an absolute must. Uh, anything other, I think Campbell's a disaster. I, I, I don't care how you, how you cut it. This is a team that barely exists at the moment. That's harsh. Sorry, Cyprus. But it, it is basically the, the facts of what, what's available just now. So confident that will happen. What I'm less confident, though, in Campbell is the attendance on Friday night. And I know I'm going to rile you up here, so I'm, I'm going to try and be the, the yin to your yang here. Uh, so on Friday night at Easter Road, uh, the, the SFA also made a big announcement about this fact uh, about a month ago. Um, and I'm not sure the promo- promotion of the, the game from, from the national body has been particularly great. Um, I, I put a tweet out a couple of weeks ago saying that in the time period they've taken to advertise tickets for the Scotland national men's team, which is a week after, they'd done a fifth of the tweets for, for the women's team. Um, it also clashes with Scotland against Georgia and the rugby union also in Edinburgh that night. There is the Dundee Derby, which, you know, some people care about. Don't know who would bother with the time with that. And you've also obviously got Inverness against Morton. It's a pretty clustered card it's coming up against. And I think probably the thing that really struck home to me this week was the fact that the rugby was on in Edinburgh at the same time. And it almost takes away that 
that magic of seeing Scotland play because something that is far more established, and we can argue about that whether that's true or not, something that's far more established is going to be overshadowed in the Embra on Friday night by the rugby. And from a television's perspective, BT Sport have shown they don't really are that bothered about women's football in Scotland, so why they would change something for, for that, I, I don't understand. But a Dundee Derby is a big draw television-wise, and I've got some concerns that the, the positivity that the announcement of Easter Road as a venue brought is going to be tempered somewhat by... I've got concerns about the crowd cam. I think that's probably the, the, safest, the safest way to put it. Yeah, I mean, the fact BBC have obviously been putting on a lot of the Scottish Championship games as well with the earlier kick-off to suit the nine, which in itself is bad enough. So I think of an Inverness against Morton on folk travelling from Greenock up to, that, up to Inverness is just stupid for a Friday night in the first place. To have that on 40 minutes before the Dundee Derby as well. Obviously, Inverness and Morton fans are going to go and support their own team, but a lot of them would like to see the Dundee Derby. It's the big game in the league there. Um, you've then got a 13,500 sellout to Tannadice as well, which means a lot of folk there. You've got some United and Dundee fans who are not interested in women's football and may well have been at Eastern Road, myself included, um, to watch a Scotland game, won't be there. And then, as you say, you think maybe in the capital, folk are not, not so interested in the United game that they are then uh, going to go to uh, the Scotland women but instead they then put the rugby on as well as you say it's it's all a bit stupid really I mean obviously a lot of these organisations there's no real obligation for them to change it for other things but even if the SFA had perhaps put that game on on Sunday evening or Saturday evening something just a wee bit different but it's I mean ultimately folk are going to go and watch what they want to watch but I think the crowd may well be slightly smaller than it may well have been had it not clashed with all these other events the same night I think the big thing for me is actually the, the Easter Road factor, and it's nothing against Easter Road as a venue. I think it'd actually make a really good women's football venue. It has done for a Bernie in the past, and it will do for them in, in the Champions League in the next coming weeks. But I think the probably thing for me is Scottish Rugby announced their fixtures well in advance and where the venue is going to be. So when the SFA came to this decision to play that game at Easter Road, it was done with the knowledge, now whether the knowledge was sought, but the knowledge was available that Scotland Rugby were playing in Edinburgh at the same time. Scotland have always obviously played games at, 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 recently at St Mirren in Paisley. And I, in retrospect now, after being very pro-Eastern Road when the announcement was made, I'm of the opinion that if I had actually sought out that knowledge about Scotland playing in Edinburgh in the rugby, I would be playing it back at Paisley. Um, I think he would then create that differentiation. It's somewhere that Scotland has established as having a fan base. I was I was big on shooting for the stars, but I just don't think the the announcement has been followed up by the appropriate action to to meet that. And hopefully, and I really do hope, and I encourage anybody who is in the area that can go, please go. Um, I'll be there by hook or by crook somehow, uh, in what capacity is to be confirmed. But um, I'll definitely be there. And I think if if that is the case, then yeah, I mean, we'd have kept it in Paisley, but hopefully it's a good crowd. Campbell. Uh, I kind of skipped a bit, which is talking about the actual team for Friday night. Um, it's a pretty established squad that's been called up. We've obviously mentioned some of the new names uh, that have come into it. Do you see the team going out being much different from the team that finished the game against Argentina? Or are you expecting maybe a couple of the more recent call-ups, people like Rachel McLaughlin, Lucy Graham, maybe get getting a run out? I'd imagine Shelley Kerr at the minute would keep it as a very similar side to the team that played against Argentina in Paris back in May. Back in June, sorry. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't see too many major changes. Maybe Rachel McLaughlin coming in and right back, because that was a sort of problem there for Scotland, where 
some games at right back and left back they're sort of changing it but I don't see maybe not starting the game sorry but I, I think it'll be pretty much the sort of side you would expect it should pick itself maybe one or two surprises but I don't think there'll be too much for this game yet because they want to get the campaign off to as good a start as possible so they imagine they play as strong a side as possible for the first game yeah, I think so too. As I said, I think it's really important, especially given some of the shenanigans. I'm going to call it shenanigans because that's it's unnecessary stuff that seems to have come out and um, that's happened. Uh, I think it's really important to get off to a strong start. And I think against Cyprus, it's basically as close to a free hit they could have got in the group stage, Campbell. So I really hope they take advantage of that. But Friday night, 7.35 kickoff at Easter Road. Tickets are £5 and £2. You can get them via the SFA website. Be warned, it takes you to the Hibernian website to get the tickets, which confused me a little bit, I'm not going to lie. Um, you can get them in e-version and download and print, and you can also get them at the ground on the day, but anybody who went to the game at Hamden as a fan will know that that might be a bit risky, but given concerns about the crowd, it should be okay. Um, I think that wraps up for this week, Campbell. I can't, I can't think of anything else. Um, thank you very much for joining me. We'll probably be obviously talking about the Scotland game next week. There are there's a couple of SWPL fixtures up just now. I believe that Celtic are playing still in university and Glasgow Girls against Hearts is already lined up on the SWF website for this weekend. But that is, as we have found to our cost, and the complications subject to change, so just keep a wee eye on that. But Campbell, thanks very much for joining me. Um, it's a pleasure as always. Yep, yeah, thanks again. And thank you very much for listening. If you are listening to this, tell all your friends, talk about women's football, listen to the Rachel Corsi one. Uh, there's also a Lower League Rambling with Danny Denham. Uh, he has a, an hour-long interview with Joel Murray, the Hibernian captain, so we'll listen to that as well. But give them five stars, give us five stars, and thank you very much for listening. Speak to you again soon. <laughs>